Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Able Voices Podcast. I'm Dr. Rhoda Bernard, Founding Managing Director of the Berkeley Institute for Arts Education and Special Needs, and I am proud to present this podcast featuring disabled artists and arts educators. We are inviting artists with disabilities to be guest hosts for the Able Voices Podcast. The guest host for today's episode is internationally celebrated mezzo-soprano Sophia Grech. Hailed by the Sunday Times as a singer who delivers without effort, Sophia has won great acclaim and notoriety for her performances at leading concert halls, opera houses, and international festivals worldwide, leading to regular invitations to give masterclasses around the world. In 2015, Sophia was diagnosed with autism, and she is now a leading ambassador on behalf of autism organizations. Her book, titled I Wish I Could Sing, was published in 2020. I hope you enjoy this episode, hosted by Sophia Grech. I'm delighted to be hosting today's Able Voices podcast, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce my guest, Tony Rudd. Tony is a British actor, comedian and impressionist who has enjoyed a successful career for over 25 years on television, radio and London's prestigious West End. He is also the manager of Vibe Radio in the UK, which is a radio station for disabled students of all ages. Tony was diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder late in life at the age of 55. Welcome, Tony. We're delighted that you could join us today for this Able Voices podcast. I'd like to start off by asking you to tell us your story as a performing artist. How did you start your career as a performer and how did you get to where you are today? Well, hi, Sophia. Hi. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yes, brilliant. Very, very well introduced that was as well. That, very good. You know, is that, is that, is that your posh voice? <laughs> 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 yeah, right. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I digress. Yeah. Um, when I started, I started off doing impressions in the class with the school and the teacher would obviously sometimes he would uh, leave the room. So I would sort of take over the class with the, I get the cane and I hold it up and I start picking out the periodic table, doing lots of impressions of teachers doing that. I used to do impressions of the PE teacher, the way he would sort of grab his hair and throw it back like that. And then he'd say, you know, and he, he'd, he'd say things like, we've all got our neurosis, haven't we, Rudd? All got our neurosis and he'd chuck his hair back and things like that. <laughs> and... <laughs> And, uh, and um, I did pantomime in the Isle of Man, which is where I was born, and that's where I was educated. And um, my chemistry teacher came in to see the panto, and this would be, oh, this would be about twenty years after I left school. And I, I did my, um, did my party piece of reciting the periodic table um, when he came in. <laughs> you know, like, you know, yes, hydrogen, helium, lithium. So I was effectively doing an impression of him, sort of thing. Yeah. Did you get told off? Well, when he come to see me backstage at the Panto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he kind of he, yeah, he kind of said, you weren't any good at chemistry anyway, but I'm, I knew I was because I was the best at chemistry, you know, like, um, which was part of my, um, it was one of my autistic special interests, chemistry, physics, loved them, you know, that sort of thing. But then um, some, at, the, at the age of 18, I had a party and somebody gave me a microphone to thank everybody. And I just had such a ball taking the mickey out of everybody and doing impressions of people. And I thought, oh, this is a good idea. So I started DJing and then I started getting into stand-up comedy 
then people said, oh, why don't you try Panto? So I did Panto. So I've, I've done lots of stuff, like I've done the cruise ships and comedy clubs, and I've worked at the O2 Arena. I've, uh, I've done Britain's Got Talent, which meant I could do the Palladium and the Apollo. And these are great things that I'm so privileged that I've been able to do um, because I, could, I once started uh, tormenting teachers with impressions. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> it's amazing that you perform actually everything from acting, stand-up comedy, impressions and voiceover work. Uh, what's, what's your favourite to perform? My favourite? I love pantomime. Pantomime is a, it's a, it's a, there's a discipline to panto that once you've learnt, then you can go out there and break the rules. Once you learn the rules, ah. then you can go out there and break the rules. And ah. the character I play, I normally play um, Buttons or Smee. Or, or the silly character that gets involved with the audience. And I just love that. That's, that, that's an amazing thing. And also, I love working out different clever ways of crowbarring the impressions in and stuff like yes. that. I mean, I, I can't yes. wait for this year because I've got, I've got Boris Johnson. We have Boris Johnson and his uh, parties. So, yes, um, I, uh, welcome to my biggest wine and cheese party. This is amazing. Fwah! You know, so I was doing oh, all that. Oh, that's remarkable well. that you're able to do that. <laughs> Absolutely remarkable. Yeah. Um, amazing. Now, next, I'd really like you to tell us about your experiences as a person living with autism and what impact it's had on you having been diagnosed later in life. I mean, how have you managed this and how has it impacted on your career? Well, it's been a strange thing because I, I've always known and um, and uh, and often because the kids at school pointed it out, you know, you're a bit different from us, aren't you, Tone? You know, sort of thing. And um, I, I, because I could do the impressions, I think that was a way of hurdling. That that that's what hurdled over the the, the sort of like gaps, you know, because you you just I'd, I'd normally just sit and read a science book, you know, and and I think a lot of autistics sort of go along those lines. But when yes. I started doing the impressions that people said to me, they said, uh, oh, what did you watch in the telly? And I said, I watched the Mike Yarwood show. And um, this is how far back I go. And then I'd say, he did all these impressions. He did Robin Day. And he goes, good evening. But I'll sure put a stop to that. And the kids are laughing at me because I remember, A, I remember the whole script of the show, which is probably another autistic yes. trait. And mm -hmm. B, they're all giggling at all, these, all this stuff. I'm thinking... If I act the fool, um, I I get on with people. You know, I don't have to be the 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 the, the guy sitting in the corner with organic chemistry for beginners. You know that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, and so that that's that's how it started. Then, as I got older, I realised there were certain people I got on well with when it, when I'm you know, on tour somewhere. Certain people, and sometimes people don't get you. And I thought, what is it about me? And I looked into it. And along comes the diagnosis a little bit later in life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But lots of things, lots of things happen. Can I ask you what made you decide to get diagnosed? Well, I, I started work. Um, um, I started work as a radio engineer, kind of radio engineer, sort of. Um, I'm basically it's me that does it. I run the whole radio station. So I teach the kids how to do voiceovers and I teach some stuff. And I'm starting to recognize. Um, traits in some of the autistic kids that I teach how to do radio I think I have meltdowns like that and um, I, I don't understand a joke in the same way that that autistic uh, child didn't understand a joke and um, you know I'm, some people may look at me and think that I'm odd 
But the, other, the, the great thing about it is it makes you think differently, makes you think creatively. And that's not a bad thing. You think that you think out of the box. And I, I always say that um, the bloke, the bloke who bashed the flint together to create fire was thinking out of the box. And I reckon he was autistic, you know, and, you know, so yeah, bloke who invented the wheel. I, I think he's autistic, you know, yes. Einstein was autistic, you know, Robin Williams, my favorite actor. Yeah. Um, they, they reckon he was, he had Asperger's as well. So, and so it's, it's things like that, that sort of like make me think, well, if, if it's okay for these people to be different, mm. it's, it's okay. It's fine for me to be different. Yes. And it's fine for anybody on the spectrum to be different. Yes. Well, did it come as a surprise to you when you were diagnosed or were you almost expecting that that's what it would be? Um, I spoke to a friend of mine at, at uh, work and I said, I think, I think I'm Aspergic. And he says, oh, you are definitely. So that encouraged me to, to go to the doctor. And then the doctor started the wheels um, in, in motion. And um, I just found that being diagnosed was, it kind of like put everything, it put all the anxieties, anxieties about the dentist, anxieties about heights, anxieties about not being on time somewhere. Yes. It was now under one, one umbrella. Hmm. All this, you know, you, you worry about stuff which causes anxiety. And that's because you've got a condition. Yes. And that was, that was very helpful to me. Yes. Yes. Do you wish that you'd been diagnosed when you were younger? I don't know. I don't know. I've, I've seen, um, I've been suggesting to teachers I work with who believe they've got autistic uh, children. And they're saying, um, we've got a diagnosis for our autistic children, but they don't want to know. And I'm thinking maybe as you get older, you can handle, you can handle a bit more. You can, you can, you've got a bit more uh, maturity to think, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm not worried about being different anymore, which is the case with me. You know, I knew I was different. There was no hope for me, but it was nice to know why. And that's, you know, that's what I, that's where I came up with. Yes. Cause do you feel that maybe as a child, you were probably a bit misunderstood? Very. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I, I walked to school. Um, I used to, I used to go, all the other kids used to play football. I used to go off fossil hunting. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's how different I was, you know, and I, and, um, and and th- this is the years before I discovered I could do mimicry, mm. and and I put the mimicry down to the fact that I'm different. You you I'll watch something, and I, I start mimicking, yes. and I see these guys, I see the, these autistic guys on YouTube. They 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 don't they don't converse, mm. but if they look at YouTube, they start going. Tipping point, tipping point, things like that, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that's me. I do, I do that, you know. I'll watch Only Fools and Horses and go, yes, here there's wings, Rodney, here there's wings. Yes. And the only difference is, is that I'm sort of savvy enough to know, oh, blimey, I could, I could, I could do, I could earn a bit of a living doing this. Yes. So, you know. Yeah. But you, yeah. you have such a talent for being able to do that because I think it's extremely difficult to do impressions. I think so. I think, I think when you, like you say, you, if you've got that kind of focus, uh, which is that, that sort of focus, which I'm, I imagine that you might have in your singing, mm. you just totally focus on it. Yes. And um, that's it. You know, you, it, it's like nothing else is inside your brain. Oh, that's very typical for an autistic person, actually, isn't it? That we do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm very focused. When you start, when you start listening to how voices come out, 
and I suppose it's like a musician learning learning to use you know with the same focus it's like me I'll learn I'll learn to do voices you know like yeah like Donald Trump and things like that yeah also I know that our listeners would really like to hear about any performing arts training that you received can you and also can you explain how you managed to learn scripts for your different disciplines and how you continue to learn them today Yes, yeah, scripts. Um, I've not had any formal training. I've done a. I did a Stanislavski course, which was a ten-week course at um, a school in London. Oh, really? What's what do they do? What's that? It's um Stanislavski. It teaches you the the disciplines of acting, like oh. the way to think. So, if you're going to be acting, hmm. you've got to ask yourself questions like, "Where am I? Who am I? Right. You know, what what is my intention? What do I hmm. want?" Mm-hmm. what do I do yes and when you when you look, when you look at a script and then you think right if you you can read it and it's flat then you think who am I so you you ask the question who am I I'm right I'm a bloke I'm a um I'm, I'm, I'm I work in a pit mm-hmm. uh, in a northern mine so therefore I've got a northern accent now yes. this is what I talk like yeah and I work I work down pit so I'm quite I'm probably quite gruff, mm. quite, quite, quite a sort of like this kind of lad, you know. Yes. So what do I want? What I tell you, what I want, I want this to stop. I want this to stop striking, so I can get back to work, you know. And once you start doing all those, all those disciplines, mm. then you learn. You, you learn all what what, what the uh, what the character wants. Yes. And it's the same. It's the same with them um, learning, say, Boris Johnson as an impression. Yeah. You you start off. Where who is he? So he's the prime minister. So you, you know, um, he, he's quite very well educated. So he's got a very well educated but very bumbly voice. He's <laughs> not sure exactly what he wants. So he kind of bumbles and uh, uh, I don't know. And uh, uh, he he says um, and what's and uh, oh, I just don't understand what's going on. And that's the same sort of thing applies to the impressions. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. I feel like I'm speaking to Boris Johnson now. <laughs> <laughs> and how, how do you actually learn the scripts, you know, for your uh, pantomimes or, or drama shows? How do you learn those scripts? Obviously, it's got to be from memory, hasn't it? Yeah. And, and um, um, autistic traits, probably a lot of us have got very good memories. Yes. And um, I have a very good memory. But the trouble is with my memory is that um, it I could memorize. It's almost like a photograph. I don't know if it's photographic memory. It sounds quite quite uh, bizarre to to say you got that. But I can learn that. But the thing is with with a script, with a panto script, is that learning it learning it uh, per se. Then all of a sudden you go to rehearsals and then you've got other people saying lines different from how you expect, oh. and so. And, and then and then they'll say, right, we want you to walk on from this, say. So you've got to walk when you're saying a line. So all these, all these ingredients come in and it's like juggling. So you've learnt, you've learnt the script. Then you learn to do the script with the other people. Then you learn to do the script with the, with, with the props and movements. Then you then you start then you start feeling it. Then you start doing it with the clothes. Then you start doing it on the actual theatre stage. Every step is 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 different, and you have to prepare for that. And um, I I with with learning scripts, I I tend to learn it over and over. Mm. Sometimes I actually record myself, mm. 
And when I'm in the car, I'll play it back so I can hear myself talking. But then I have to do a new recording saying, oh, that was, that, I was rubbish then. So <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant. Um, I also was wondering, I know that you're currently the manager of Vibe Radio. Uh, can you explain more about this work and describe your teaching there and what it's like for you? Oh, it's just fantastic. It's, um, it's a radio station for disabled people, uh, disabled students in a school. And um, basically, the guys come in and everyone's got different skill sets. So some of the guys can't speak but they can push volumes, they can push sliders up and they can push buttons to play songs and they can use their communicators mm. there, so they can type something out in their communicator, put that out there. There are some, that are some guys that are really good at talking, mm. very articulate, very intelligent, very knowledgeable, but they can't do any of that. So they'll come in, they start talking, I'll do all the tech stuff, they do all the chatting, they get me involved from time to time. I teach them all how to do voiceovers. Mm. I teach them how to do podcasts. And and a lot of the time, it's it's very good because then they learn how to include each other. And, you know, they, they learn how to speak. They learn anything they've learnt. They learn about six of, of Henry VIII's wives and how many of them had their head chopped off. Yeah. And then they make sound effects. <laughs> they make sound effects for head chopped off. <laughs> Get a lettuce out. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's yeah. That type of thing. I can imagine they absolutely love that. What's the age group? Oh, it, it goes from all sorts of ages. We've got um, from the radio station. I'd say we've got some four-year-olds that come in from time to time. Um, the main age group is probably the eleven to twelves, and then we've got a few of the older ones as well. We've got some that go up to nineteen. We've got a few of them, and they're very good. They're very good at making stuff. We had, we had one lad um, who's just left the school now, but he would do it. He he would take his experiences of having muscular dystrophy and turn it into a positive thing, saying, I, I am I am here, I've turned my life around, I was depressed about my condition, and I think that if, by talking to me and listening to the, what I have to say, you can improve your position, you know, whatever's happening in your life, just listen to me and I'll, t- I'll, I'll teach you how to motivate yourself. And that was that was one of the students we had. He decided to do this show of his own. Very, very good. Oh, it sounds like it's absolutely invaluable for them. It's, it is. I think it's a it's a great commodity. Every school should have one. Yeah. You know, I'll just have to clone myself. I'm going to clone myself, Sophia. Yes. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, actually, brings me on to my next question in a way. Um, what advice would you give to aspiring and existing performing artists with disabilities? Well, the thing to remember is that um, it sounds it sounds like a cliche, but um, your disability is somebody else's ability. You know, it, it, you know, it's also your ability as well. You can learn, like for instance, with with autism and Asperger's, you can learn to focus on things to an extent that other people can't. Remember that is a skill, mm-hmm. and never never worry. That, uh, that these things happen to you and you worry that, that all sorts of things will happen to you in your life mm. that you worry and have anxiety about. But there are other things that this this condition makes you sharp at. So the, 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 uh, my advice is to find out what you really like, what you're really good at, and and then use, use everything in your head to focus on that. 
and you'll be surprised at what you can do. You've got, we've got people like Chris Packham, who's autistic mm. and he's a brilliant presenter on the TV and he wouldn't have got there by not being able to think out of the box. Albert Einstein, he had Asperger's, able to think out of the box. So a lot of autistic people can think out of the box. There's a lot of people with cerebral palsy that can do sports, that uh, they can do Paralympic sports. There's lots of people out there that are doing amazing things. And look to them for inspiration because everybody, everybody is possible to do something. And it doesn't have to be the biggest thing. It just has, it just could be something that makes people around you happy yes. that, that you've done. You know. Yes. I think that we do tend to focus on the negatives of a disability rather than the positives. So that's amazing, yeah. amazing advice you've given there. Good. Fantastic. Also, our listeners, I think, would like to hear about what you're working on today and what projects you have planned for the future. All right. Well, um, um, my my work at the school is very varied, as well yeah. as doing the uh, as well as doing the um, <laughs> the radio. Yesterday, I was dressed up as Uncle Fester um, for a, the the school. The school are doing a a filmed production. They're filming a production, so they asked me if I would step in as Uncle Fester in the Adams Family production that they're doing. So that's what I've been doing. I've been painting a bald head on on myself, <laughs> painting my face. Wearing a big cassock and then talking like this. <laughs> Hello, I'm Uncle Fester. How are you today? Sort of thing. Um, yeah. So yeah, and um, me as me as personally, I've been writing a novel. I've written a novel called Asperger's Assemble, and it's basically what I was just saying. It's it's about it's about the world. The world has been taken over by a virus. The virus doesn't affect people with Asperger's because they're wired differently. So they're the only people that can save the planet. And it's like a James Bond novel. There's lots of action car chases and, um, you know, the, the bad guys are coming after them and stuff like that. And it's, uh, yeah, I've literally just, it's just gone on this month onto Amazon. So buy it. It's Asperger's Assemble. Oh, that's fantastic. So is writing a book something you always wanted to do? Oh, yeah. I've always had the... Uh, creativity in me and I've always wrote written stories that was the other thing apart from science I was really good at is writing stories at school Lo- loved it loved it when they said in English right we want you to write a story now I- I'd always do really well at that yeah I was I wasn't very good at English otherwise you know like how long did it take you to write it took um uh, took about six months to write and then a further six months to I got it self-published mm. So it's a further six months to go down the self-publishing route. Um, um, ask me in a year's time what I think about that, but it's um, yeah, it's on it's on Amazon, and I've sold. I think I've sold about a hundred copies. Oh, I certainly will be buying that. Yes, get a copy. Absolutely, I will. <laughs> Oh, well, that's brilliant, Tony. Listen, Tony, thank you so much for joining us today and giving up your time to share your inspiring journey and experiences with our listeners. We wish you continued success with your career. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. It's brilliant. Really enjoyed talking to you today. So thank you, Sophia. Able Voices is a production of the Berkeley Institute for Arts, Education and Special Needs, led by me, Dr. Rhoda Bernard, the founding managing director. It is produced by Daniel Martinez Del Campo. The introduction music is by Kai Levin. And our closing song is by Sebastian Batista. 
Kai and Sebastian are students in the arts education programs at the Berkeley Institute for Arts Education and Special Needs. If you would like to learn more about our work, you can find us online at berkeley.edu slash B-I-A-E-S-N or email us at B-I-A-E-S-N at berkeley, that's L-E-E, dot E-D-U.